Thad Mosley is an established sculptor who lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's 93 years old and still very active in his studio on the north side. He currently has a show at Karma in New York City and the gallery has just published a monograph of his work. Thad's work appears in museums and galleries, including the Carnegie Museum of Art in Pittsburgh, the Mattress Factory Museum in Pittsburgh, and the Westmoreland Museum of American Art. This fall, Thad's sculptures will be on view at the Rockefeller Center as part of Freeze Projects, presented by Freeze New York. Hi, Thad. Hi. Thanks for joining me and talking with me today. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Um, I assume you're at the studio all day. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm home now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Were you working on anything cool today? It's a sculpture that I'm about halfway finished. Takes a couple of months on the thing I'm working on now. So by uh, by June, it should be finished. You know, nice. Uh, you never know. You get an idea, and sometimes they turn out uh, never as well as you would like them to turn out, but they turn out. <laughs> <laughs> never know what you're gonna uh, get, yeah. right? Well, I have I have a pretty it come pretty close because with uh, wood and log you can't change but so much you know it's a solid material it's not like you're working with clay or something you can change a lot before you fire it or something like that you know? yeah definitely do you give studio tours ever oh I've done a lot I've done uh, I've had um, Particularly through the museum, uh, they send people over. Uh, Houston Museum, Williamstown Museum, and a lot and a lot of uh, a lot of different types, you know. And you've been in the same space for like twenty years, right? Yeah, well, I, I've been in the same spot now, but I used to be you know, on the second floor in the main building in the 90s, but I've been here uh, since 2000, oh, 20 years now, wow. over 20 years, yeah. Nice. Well, I wanted to tell you congratulations on your show at Karma Gallery. I took a look at it online because they have a virtual tour, but it looks great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did they have an opening for you? or were you Oh, yeah, we had a big opening, uh, February 29th. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And you, a big opening and a dinner. And then they also just published a monograph of your work, which is amazing. It, it, yeah, they, they did that for the opening. It was a catalog. Yeah, I just ordered it, so I'm looking forward to getting it in the mail. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they did a good job because we did, they did it in a hurry. Uh, uh, so... Um, yeah, they want they wanted to have it done uh, in time for the opening, so that was a, perfect a situation. So, there. do you get to New York City much to see art? Well, I go uh, usually a couple times a year. Uh, sometimes, you know, mainly to hear music and see shows. Yeah, I get up a couple times a year. And you mainly see jazz yeah. shows. I, I heard you're a big jazz fan. Yeah, mostly go to the clubs and do something else and go to the museums and stuff like that, yeah. Great. Maybe you could tell me a couple of your favorite jazz musicians well, since you're well, a big jazz fan. A, again, you're talking about a lot of people. People always ask me, well, who's your trumpet, 
favorite trumpet player I said well there's uh, 10 or 12 is 10 or 12 great uh, uh, maybe 20 great saxophone players you can start with Charlie Parker John Coltrane Sonny Rollins Coleman Hawkins you can name I love all the greats Mm -hmm. Um, I was hoping we could talk a little bit just about your background, um, just sort of how you came into working with wood and, you know, if you had inspirational art teachers growing up or a little bit. No, no, none of that. Uh, (laughs) I I grew up in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and art wasn't a big thing back then when I when I came up and it's uh, probably. a, a lot more pertinent now because they have the Hoyt uh, a, a, a Art Center there now, which they didn't have when I went to school. They had no art center whatsoever. So anyhow, people get an idea of what art is because they uh, they can go to the shows there. So how about just in terms of, uh, I guess, what got you into working with wood or just becoming well, a sculptor. I, well, I went to University of Pittsburgh, and 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 I had a friend that was a painter, uh, and we used to go to the. Uh, he'd always ask me to go with him to, to the Carnegie Museum, so uh, uh, through that I got sort of interested in looking at the, uh, particularly the Carnegie International, because they brought in people from all over the world one time and but then uh in the early 50s i bought some scandinavian design furniture and they had small decorative pieces done in teak wood and brass wire and uh, and and they were uh birds and fish and things like that so i said well i can make those but i uh so that's how i sort of started and then you taught yourself, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You just started. How did you acquire, I guess, the the logs or the wood initially when you? Oh well, wood is easily acquired. Back in those days, or I guess they still now do now, but the city forestry division they always cut down trees and parks and so forth, and a lot of people would come gather this firewood, but. Uh, a couple of us, we, we gathered, uh, you know, to make things. But my first things I made out of uh, uh, the birds and fish I made, they were made out of two by fours. Oh, wow. And, and, and whereas, the, uh, whereas as the Scandinavian birds and fish, they were very thin uh, slabs of teak wood. Mine was thick two by fours. And and uh, and 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 it's the one wood, uh, particularly that is easy to carve. Although still still sort of hard wood, you can get a definition from the uh, from that type of wood. But that's how I sort of started. But but uh, yeah, is you you can still get plenty of wood. And then I got to know the man at the city fourth division, and I would go over and look and see what they had and so forth. Then people were always cutting down trees, and, and people would call and, and 
So uh, we would go. Uh, just fairly tall. So when you're working on in the studio, do you need um, like scaffolding or ladders or how do you, no, how do you no, work on no. it? Uh, I have a cradle and the things are, are, are laid down uh, uh, horizontal, uh, horizontally and I carve, then I stand them up, you know. No, I know I, I don't. I've only made scaffolding for one piece, and that was for the commission for the Phoenix sculpture in the hill, because it was so big, it had to be stood up. Uh, I couldn't move it by myself. But the uh, 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 so that's the only one. Everything else is laid uh, sideways, and I carve and keep moving it around. And then where do you get the ideas for your sculptures? Do you go into it with an idea and then look for oh, a piece yeah. of wood that is going to suit it? Or oh, oh, I get, I have a, no, I have a, a bunch of logs and I look at the logs and ideas come, but most of my ideas are, are come from the idea of the, uh, from the idea of weight and space uh, sculptures. Yeah, I have a uh, premise that. And so using the idea of weight and space, most of them come from that. Then, of course, you're working with the confinement of the material, which is round, or you can cut it in a slab, but you still have to work with the confines of what you, what you have unless you uh, make, uh, of course, you can always get uh, a, a boards and laminate them and make them pretty big like someone like uh, uh, Wendell Castle or something like that. And then then you cut away from the slab from the block or the round but I just use the tree and then how do you know when your sculpture is finished is that a hard uh, assessment oh, no. to make no uh, it, no I have an idea pretty well munching no, it doesn't take long. It's like we're going to make a head, and, <laughs> and you make a head. If you make a figure, if you make an abstract piece, you have a pretty much an idea in mind, you know. And so uh, when the idea is finished, it's done. And particularly if you have a certain way of finishing, some people do a lot of sanding, everything is smooth, but my things uh, always have the tool marks and the chisel, but the main thing is the form and the shape of the, of the piece. And do you work from sketches or do you no, just kind no. of... I, no, I, I work from, I just draw on the, uh, 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 with chalk on the piece and I remove the wood that I don't want, yeah. And then you don't ever do sanding for the, at, at all? No, well, I have done sanding on a few pieces and uh, but but most of my my pieces have the gouge marks, chisel marks, and the ev evidence of the tools. Mm -hmm. I've read that a lot of your art is inspired by West African art. Well, uh, uh, not really much. I am influenced by uh, tribal arts, uh, but um, but mainly from the idea of essence. The idea of uh, of God of, of, uh, of, of what they were able to do with their tool marks and so forth like that.
And then what are who are other artists who've influenced your work? Well, I've been influenced like most contemporary or most modern art uh, artists, sculptors. I've been included in, um, influenced by Brancusi, Constantine Brancusi. I've also been influenced by uh, 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 Isamu Noguchi. Those have been my two of my most favorite people. But a lot of times there's people whose work I admire and who sometimes you don't even realize that you're being influenced by them. But those are my main, uh, three main uh, influences, African tribal arts and Brancusi and Noguchi. And then I read that you like David Smith's work as well. Well, I, there's a lot of people I like. I love Martin Furrier's work. I, I like Richard Hunt's. I, I, I like Richard Deacon. There's a lot of people's work that I, I like. I, I, but um, there's a, a many sculptors who, you know, like I say, whose work I admire. I can I can give you a long list, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and you actually got to meet Noguchi, right? Oh yeah, I met Noguchi a couple times. Yeah. Did you ever go to the studio uh, in Queens? Uh, oh, I've been to the museum quite a few times. Uh huh. Yeah, I've been there, and I've been to his uh, studio in, in Murray in Japan on the island and. In southern Japan, so yeah. Wow. But I've been to Kune I've been to the Gucci Museum numerous times. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been, but I've heard it's amazing. So yeah, that's definitely it's, on my list. Yeah. Well, if you get to New York, uh, yeah, and it's in Long Island City. As soon as you get across the river, and it's a uh, amazing. Uh, 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 an institution he that he was able to do pretty much on his own. He moved it, I guess, because when he decided to have a building, it was cheaper than places in New York City, you know, so mm -hmm. he probably got it at a good price. But it's just a beautiful place and really uh, well worth visiting. Yeah. And then I read also that you, Leon Arcus, was the former director of the Carnegie Museum of Art. And I guess you and Noguchi and Leon all kind of collaborated together in terms of getting shows and whatnot mm -hmm. at the Carnegie Museum. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, no. I only met Noguchi. They offered to, um, Leon was one of my early backers. And he gave me my first show. At, at, at 1966, but the show opened up in 1968. But mm -hmm. I met Noguchi truly on when he gave a talk at the uh, at the Carnegie, and uh, so that's how I met the second time I met him. But you no, know, Leon was one of the my earlier supporters and uh, and gave me my first. If you want to say big show uh, uh -huh. at, at at the Carnegie way back then, yeah. And then you've had a fair amount of shows there, um, and then also you were in the Carnegie International in 2018. Well, I've I've done uh, uh, actually I had a, a show in '97, uh, my second show, uh, individual show at the Carnegie '97. 
And then I was in the Canadian International and, 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 and uh, of course I showed many times with the associate artists in the uh, Canadian, in the annual there. Uh -huh. But just one or two things, but 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 uh, only two single shows, and then the in the uh, and also the Canadian International in 2019. And then I think we could talk a little bit just about your Phoenix sculpture in the Hill District. Um, was that a commission or was it a work you had that they oh, wanted no. to install uh, in the Hill District? A UDA Ur Urban Design Architecture was headed by David Lewis and founded by David Lewis, who was uh, uh, also taught at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, uh, at that time, it was Carnegie Tech. It wasn't Carnegie. But in, anyhow, uh, the, the urban design, uh, we dealt, what is it called, the urban re redevelopment, they had uh, changed the hill and they were putting in a shopping center and UDA urban design architects they were uh, uh doing the work for the space and also the houses in, in in that community and right where the library was and the uh little shopping area uh, they he decided that uh they should have a sculpture so anyhow, the urban development, they uh, commissioned me to come up with an idea. So I came up with the idea of uh, the phoenix symbol uh, rising from the ashes. This was after the uh, civil disturbances in the hill with some burning and all like that. But anyhow, and then this new... Uh, the facility, uh, they decided they would look like a sculpture. So anyhow, we um, found uh, a, a wirehouser out in Tacoma, Washington, had because uh, we needed something that could withstand weather. And and cedar is one of the better woods that can uh, that can endure. Uh, rain and so forth and so because it's the same wood that the uh and Native Americans used to make totem poles in the uh, northwestern part of, of the United States and in, in Alaska. So but anyhow, so we, we ordered uh we ordered a large log from Wahiser and and that's how I made that sculpture. And it's fourteen feet, is yeah, that correct? Yeah, it's fourteen feet. On a 10-foot oh. uh, concrete pedestal. So did Mountaintop, which was uh, a sculpture made of limestone outside of the Martin Luther King Jr. Library in the yeah, Hill, yeah, Hill District? Yeah, that was uh, another commission. I don't do many commissions, but those, are, those were two. Uh, and then I did another commission for the... Uh, uh, a convention, David Lawrence Convention Center, I did it. Three Rivers Bench, which is 18 foot long. Uh, well, how do you feel about selling your work or getting rid of your work? Is it hard for you to get no, rid of a piece? No, or? I've done, I don't, uh, I've, I've probably done six, 700 sculptures. I don't, don't have uh, uh, 
nearly that much work around. No, you, you yeah. do them to show. And so, of course, many people who made it, I never made a living off them, but people who make a living off, they sell uh, as fast as they can. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I, I have plenty of work. So. No, well, and do you have do you have a favorite Mr. Beaver's sculpture? No, you mean? Uh, no, <laughs> no, they're all. Uh, you know, I don't have a favorite. I just uh, some have worked out better than others, and even some of the things that haven't been that successful visually, I still think there's something in them worthwhile. So I keep them all. I don't destroy a lot of people do sure things they don't like i don't do that because i always feel i can learn something from things that haven't worked out as well you know yeah and then you you worked for the u.s postal service for a long yeah. time but you always made art on the oh, side yeah, right i've always made yeah i made art simultaneously while i was working yeah i've been since the mid 50s i've been working on uh a, a a place where I lived on in in the late sixties, and I, I lived on South Side. Had a studio in my backyard, uh, and I worked in the basements in the house. So yeah, I've always uh, I've always been working. That's what if you're an artist, that's what you do. You you, you yeah work yeah. I read too that I don't know if this is true, but that you used to do twelve-hour uh, shifts in the studio until you were ninety-one. Uh, well, is that correct? No, that's, that, that's exaggeration. In the thing, <laughs> no. I, if I had a show coming up, if I had a deadline, uh -huh. and, uh, and 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 I would, I I, I could work twelve hours, but not main, just mainly on the week, weekends. My average day was eight or nine hours. Uh, uh, if particularly if I were, because I always had things going on, but on, that's what I usually, I'm, now I'm working about six hours a day. You know? And I'm sure it doesn't feel like work because you're well, probably enjoying what you're like doing. Well, it feels work, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, that's why there's so few sculptors because uh, people are doing carving and stuff because very few, very few universities or colleges teach carving anymore and it's mostly uh, some something else and uh, so when you go to see a, 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 a sculpture show a lot of it you'll see very few very little stone carving or, or, or very uh, very little wood carving you might see some welding but most of it is assemblage of some sort you're turning 94 i think in yeah. july mm -hmm. you said so do you have any uh advi life advice for people just about how to have a long and happy no, life i just say here you know well we whether it's long or happy or anything i can't say my life has been happy all the time i just try to be content i'm not too much worried about happiness <laughs> i uh -huh. just try to be contented and enjoy what I do and try to stay healthy, you know. So, but but the main thing is to me is enjoy your life, uh, you know, while you can and hopefully find something that you really 
would like to do. And and so sometimes with with artists, it's a little easier because they already pretty much know what they want to do. A lot of people never find anything they're truly passionate about, but that's, you know, but time goes on anyhow, you know. Please subscribe to the Living Artist Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to review the podcast and share it so that I can get more listeners and establish a larger Living Artist community.